Welcome to KJV Cafe, where the truths of God's Word come alive. Grab a hot cup of coffee or tea and spend some time learning about our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Listen now to Pastor Clark Covington of Heartland Community Baptist Church as he explores great insights from the Word of God. Walk only in the light. Walk only in the light. That's what we're talking about here today, walking only in the light. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his sin, cleanseth us from all sin. That's 1 John 1, 7. What does it mean to walk in the light? What does it mean to live like Jesus? We see here in our text verse that if we live like Jesus, we walk in his light, we will have fellowship with the brethren and be cleansed by Jesus for all our sins. So what it means to walk in the light is to walk as Jesus walked, to walk as Jesus teaches us, to walk in the ways of the, of the Lord as we see in his word. You know, in the Bible, Romans 8, 1 tells us there's no condemnation to those in Christ doing what? Walking after the Spirit. Think about walking. If someone's standing still, could they look at you with a straight face and say they're walking? No, they're, they're not moving. Walking is an action step. Walking is moving. Walking is something that we have to do. We're called to walk in the Spirit. This is an action step. It doesn't fall on our lap. It doesn't automatically happen if we attend a church service or if we pray to God. We don't automatically walk. We must take that step. That's why I believe the Lord uses uh, that comparison for us. He uses that illustration for us to understand that walking is an action step. Walking in the light, amen, is an action step. No matter how holy you live, you have to walk in the light. You have to purpose to live like this. And of course, you probably know why. I'll tell you why. Because we're in this flesh. We live in a sinful world. And so if we leave ourselves to just be brought about this way and that way in the wind, we won't walk in the light. We have to purpose to do it. So are we walking after the flesh or the spirit? One will return good fruit in our lives. The other will have awful results in our life. We must understand our time with God is valuable. Our time with God will lead us to grow in God. Our time living in offense to God will drive us away from fellowship and growth with him. See this idea? It's such a simple idea. The message, I'll give it to you right now. The message here today, God is real. God cares how you act. God expects you to act in a way that brings you closer to him. And as you act this way, you grow in your relationship with God. And if you defy God and live for yourself by walking in darkness and sin in the flesh, you lose fellowship with him and have no relationship with him. That means you're playing with fire and you can and will be burned by sin. So walk in the light only. Make the choice to live for God in all that you do. Now let's highlight some of the points I've made here with scripture. Everything here on the KJV Cafe is backed up by God's word. Uh, as you could imagine in the King James Version, amen. Uh, the perfect word of God, we back everything up with scripture. So I'm telling you, God is real. God cares how you act. God expects you to act in a way that brings you closer to him. I'm telling you these things, amen. I'm going to go ahead and back them up with scripture. So firstly here, all have some light, okay? And there's proof that there is a God. 
And I've got a couple of C's that I want you to remember. There's proof there is a God. All have some light. All have some uh, idea of God, and they have some God in them, right? Uh, and one way we know this is through creation. Romans 1.20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. 2 Peter 3.5, for this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Psalms 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows, showeth his handiwork. We see God is real by seeing the world for how it is designed and how it functions. We see God is real by looking at creation. There are so many examples of how when we look at creation, we know God is real. We can look at the seasons changing and with such precision, they, they change from fall with the leaves uh, changing colors and coming off the trees to winter with the cold and uh, cold weather and, and, and uh uh, short days and long nights and so on to the spring and the regeneration of the plants in the summer. We see these seasons. We see the tide and come in and out of the ocean. And we see, uh, you know, ice caps on the mountain creating drinking water down us for us here in the valley. And we see all these things. And we know that God is real. We understand there's a God. We realize that there is absolutely no way. I'll give you a couple of simple examples here today uh, that I know God is real, that I can see God in creation. Now, when I had a daughter, uh, my, my first child, uh, uh, I guess I was a little bit later in life when I had my first child, uh, Jenny Rose. Uh, she was born uh, some four and a half years ago, amen. And when she was born, uh, she was uh, swimming in the tub. I mean, we put her in the tub, you know, we're holding her and we're, uh, you know, bathing her there. She's just a little infant and she's moving her arms back and forth. And I look at my wife and I say, how does she know how to do that? And my wife just had this twinkle in her eye, like that's God. You know, it's a, how, I mean, who taught her? No one taught her. She's an infant. You know, how does she know? Or when we took her to the doctor right after being born, uh, she kept holding daddy's finger, holding daddy's hand. How does this little girl days old know to hold daddy's hand for comfort? How does she know? That's the creator. Amen. Now, look, I'm sure every preacher has given this example or many preachers have given this example, when creation testifies to God, they always talk about, I've got to do this. They always talk about bird migration, amen? How do the birds know to go uh, where it's warm uh, in the winter and go where it's cool in the summer, amen? How do they know these things? Think about this. What are the odds, you know? And then a scientist will say, well, it's instinct. Well, where do the birds get those instincts from? They get it from the creator. The creation testifies to the creator. I've got a little nugget here from newscientist.com. The uh, semi-palmated sandpiper, which flies nonstop from the Bay of Fundy on the east coast of Canada to South America at the end of every summer, mainlines on mud shrimp before departing. Okay, so the semi-palmated sandpiper, I'm sure you're familiar. I'm just kidding. We, we probably don't know uh, exactly what this bird looks like. But imagine a bird that is getting ready to fly uh, from the east coast of Canada, where it's cold, uh, to South America, where it's warm, at the end of every summer, right? And why was it, it in uh, Canada during the summer? Because it was cool there in the summer, getting ready to go to South America in the winter. It eats mud shrimp before departing. Well, what's mud shrimp? The article says mud shrimp are loaded with omega-3 fatty acids and that uh, this 
the scientists had suspected, boosts the efficiency of the sandpiper's muscles when they fly. Uh, so they did some analysis and they found out that sure enough uh, that they gave uh, the, these fatty acids to bobwhite quails as a comparison. And uh, they realized that this diet increased the oxygen in their muscles by 58%. So let me just break this down for a second. A bird, okay, which is not a speaking, learning human, okay, a bird eats a diet before they migrate that makes their muscles much stronger so that they can make that long flight every year. Now, how does the bird know to do that? How do you back that up with some crazy scientific theory of instinct or the big bang or evolution or that you cannot, okay? You cannot explain this other than to say there's an intelligent creator. And again, you know, this is just a preacher talking here, but maybe God allows us to discover these ideas like the diet of this particular bird so it could have strong muscles to fly to South America from Canada. Maybe God allows us to see this to show and testify to his glory. Amen. To testify that we have a wonderful creator. Amen. God could have just made those birds strong enough to fly on any diet, right? But why did God do this? So we could discover it. And so the person writing that article, the person doing the research may just look for a second and say, this is just marvelous. This is just amazing. Who made this bird? Amen. Who made this humanity? Who made this ecosystem? I can go on and on, but you get the idea. Creation testifies to God's glory. Now, another way that we know that God is real, okay, that we all have some light, that we all have some understanding of God, is the conscience. Romans ten, uh, Romans 2, verse 15, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. 1 Timothy 4, 2 speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Okay, well, here the Bible's addressing conscience. The Bible uh, says here in Romans 2 that, that conscience bears witness. Uh, in 1 Timothy 4, 2, Paul's writing to Timothy that, uh, that, that man would be speaking lies and hypocrisy and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. They know uh, they're, they're being wicked, and they, yet they continue to do it. So they have that conscience. Well, where does that come from? That nagging feeling, that voice inside that tells you right from wrong. Where does it come from? Does it come from education? I don't think so. I mean, think about this. You have that feeling or voice inside that tells you right from wrong. If say you steal something and you feel so bad, you can't sleep at night. Or you say something inappropriate and you have to apologize to the person. Or maybe you skip church for the day and you go to the lake and you just have this nagging feeling. That is your conscience, the same one that would bother you if you cheated on your spouse or took money from work or betrayed a friend for personal gain. Well, why? Why does your conscience do that? Who put it there? Our conscience testifies to God's design and to sin. So when, they, when you bury it, okay, with the heathens, the pagans, and they bury it, they don't want to accept Christ. What are they doing? Well, by burying those, that conscience within them, okay, by, by, by giving over to a reprobate mind, as the Bible calls it, what they do is they're trying to have no consequences in their mind for their sin. So what they're doing, uh, or what anyone would do when you repress that conscience, is you're saying, I know that my conscience testifies to right and wrong from a higher being, from a creator, okay, because it was put there. It wasn't learned. It's there. Uh, and yet... I don't like it because I want to live in sin or my sinful desires conflict with this idea of conscience. So they try to bury it 
But we know God is the judge. We know all will be judged. We know all will have to give an answer for how they lived. Amen. And we know unless you've been saved by the blood of Jesus, amen, that you will be sent to hell, a real hell. Hell is a real place. Amen. I'm not afraid to say it on the radio. Hell is a real place. And those that do not accept Jesus Christ as Savior are headed directly there. Amen. They will be rejected. Uh, at the judgment seat of Christ, uh, they will they will be uh, cast away. The Lord will say, "Depart from me, you worker for uh, worker of iniquity, for I never knew you." Amen. And what that means is that conscience is there to show them that they need to live for the Lord. It's to show them that there is a creator. Amen. It's to show them that, look, if you don't see it in the fact that there's a tree in your backyard and that same tree was used to build your house. Okay. You see these things like, well, who put all the trees here? Right. Then they knew that we would need shelter or the food or the air gone and on and on and on. God did that. Okay. You want to ignore God there. Then you look within and you say, I can't even uh, have a you know certain kind of thought without feeling guilty, or I do something and I feel guilty, and that guilt, that that conscience is there, and then you repress that. But we all know we must uh, one day answer to God. The Bible says we will all bow our knee. So what does it all mean? Creation testifies to God being real. Conscience testifies to God being real. The Bible account backs up what creation and our conscience testify to. Creation account fits perfectly with how the world is today. You know, when you look at, uh, I love a group uh, called Answers in Genesis. They have a lot of great science-based information on the creation account, debunking uh, evolution and giving very rich scientific evidence, not some emotional argument, just screaming and yelling, but scientific evidence as to why the earth was literally created uh, in that six days and the seventh day that the Lord rested, amen, it gives that true uh, creation account, the true age of the world, what they call the young earth, the age of the world, and all these other very scientifically based things. It, it, it accounts for who God is. And the Bible backs this up. We see in the Bible, the Noah's flood and all of this, and we can relate it to how creation is today. And then also the conscience is convicted of sin. And this is the same sin so often written about in the Bible. This is all also backed up by God's word. So we have creation and conscience that testify to their being a God that give us no excuse that ha- have us with some form of light that we understand that God is real. You're listening to KJV Cafe. As you learn the great truths in God's word, we encourage you to take the verses mentioned in this episode and study them. Trusting God will open your eyes to a deeper understanding of himself. Now here's Pastor Clark with the rest of today's message. A direct cause and effect relationship. Let's talk about what happens when we walk in the light. Walking in the light begets more light from God. Matthew 5, verse 6. You know, the number 5 in the Bible symbolizes grace, and number 6 in the Bible symbolizes man, grace for man. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Are you full of righteousness today? Are you full of God's word today? If you are seeking, if you are hungering for it, you'll be filled. Amen. If you're working with someone that might be lost or far off from God and they don't know where God's at or they can't feel God's presence, quote unquote. I mean, it's not a feeling. Amen. It's a, it's a guaranteed fact. And we're saved and we accept Christ as savior in our hearts. We're saved forever, but maybe they're living afar off from God. 
Maybe they're backslid. Maybe they have something that they need to repent of to get close to God again. And so we see the root of all this being blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, what are you doing when you're hungry, you're thirsty? You know, imagine uh, you're at a large theme park and it's hot out and you've been walking around with your family all day and you're thirsty and you get more and more thirsty and now your stomach's growling and you're hungry and you've been there all day and you've been walking all day. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to go search after something to drink or something to eat or both. And if you're like me, uh, large hungry guy. I'll be searching pretty hard. Amen. When we search, we are going to find, right? We're going to look and find. And what God's saying is, why don't you approach my word like you're hungry, like you're thirsty, like you really want it. Amen. Oh, I don't want to get started on any sports references today. I'd say, oh man, start talking about football. I'll get all fired up. want to throw the pads back on. Amen. But uh, hey, I'm competitive. I want to win when I get on the field. Uh, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty for a victory. God wants us to be hungry and thirsty for a victory with him. Amen. He wants us to get in his word. He wants us to search his word. He wants us to believe that we can find in his word the secret to to peace, to true peace, to true joy, to true happiness, to true purpose. It's only found in his word. Amen. But we must be hungry. And if you know someone today, maybe it's you or maybe it's someone that you're uh, associating with. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend, a co-worker, a schoolmate. Tell them, you know, hey, Have you really gone after God's word? Have you really searched it? Have you really researched? Have you really spent time in his word? Have you meditated on his word? Because if you have, he will reveal himself to you. Amen. If you approach it in that light, he'll reveal himself to you. Now, some, a lost person, they may approach it skeptically. They may say, I don't want to touch it. I don't want to read it. Or they may read it very uh, with a hard heart, not want to really look into it. That person, God may not choose to reveal himself to them. Like Jesus said of those in Bible times that were trying to follow him, he knew their heart and he didn't give himself over to them because he knew their heart. Amen. God knows our hearts. So let's have a tender heart and search for him and, and really urge others to do the same. It's a direct cause and effect relationship. Walking in the light begets more light from God. Psalm 1 verses 1 through 3, three the first Psalm in the Bible. That's exciting. First Psalm in the Bible, Psalm 1 verses 1 through 3. You know, Psalms, book of wisdom, book of knowledge. Psalms are what you often see on that uh, piece of artwork at the at the store or on a T-shirt and so forth. You know, everybody knows this is biblical wisdom. And where does it start out? Where does it begin? Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he doth meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Amen. You want to prosper in everything you do? Hey, you want to be like a tree planted by the rivers of the water growing big and strong and tall? You want to have fruit in all the seasons? Amen. Come on. You know what you do? This is what you do. You walk after the Lord. You delight in his word day and night. What does the blessed man do? He meditates or she meditates on God's word day and night. Meditate on what is that? That's God's law, his word, his commands, his ways, his testimonies, and his truths. He meditates. She meditates. 
you know, all throughout the Bible. I mean, again, you look at Psalms, you look at someone like King David who meditated on, on God's word, meditated on what he knew about the Lord. And, you know, at those days and times, he's meditating on the old books, the Mosaic laws and all those things. And he was thinking of God and thinking of what God had done and how God had delivered him. Think of Mary uh, when he, uh, Mary was told that she was going to give birth as a virgin. And, and, and it was going to be, uh, uh, Jesus was going to do great things. And Mary did what? She meditated on it. She thought about it. She, she kind of let it stew. You know, the Bible talks about chewing the cud, right? This idea of just kind of sitting there thinking about it, just meditating on it. Have you ever tried that? Have you ever spent some time meditating on God's word? I encourage you to do that today. Uh, I, I've been trying to do that more and more as a pastor, trying to just meditate on it. Just, you know, I'm doing my daily study to sit there and just say, well, what does this mean? You know, what does it mean then? What does it mean now? What is it? What could it mean for the congregation? But just, just what does it mean? You know, how does this all kind of relate? We kind of meditate on God's word, amen. And then you start, God starts revealing things to you, and He starts giving you this this blessed life. And, and again, it's all such a fruitful process. I mean, think about this. There's so much wisdom in the Bible. We spend time in God's word. We apply God's word, and we're applying that wisdom. And God's going to bless it, amen. He's not going to punish us for reading His word. He's going to bless us because we are walking walking in the light. To walk in the light, we must be like this blessed man or woman and do this blessed thing day and night. What does day and night mean? That means all the time. Amen. All the time. You got to do this, not just a little bit, all the time. You know, we got away from that as a culture, didn't we? You know, I'm 40 years young. Okay. I'm, you know, haven't been around uh, as long as some of the older saints of God, but I, I remember hearing from the older saints of God, they used to have noontime prayer. They used to have prayer in school. I can't imagine that. I mean, maybe the schools wouldn't be so awful. I'm just going ahead and say that there. Uh, they used to have prayer in school. They used to have noontime prayer. They uh, There used to be uh, prayer uh, services during the week, much more so than there are now. It's hard to find a church open on a Wednesday night. Amen. Our church is open and we, we've got plenty of open seats, unfortunately, uh, and especially on a Wednesday night prayer meeting. People aren't seeking out the word of God. They aren't saying to themselves, how do I meditate this on this day and night? They aren't saying to themselves, oh, I hit a little bit of a roadblock. Let me get into church and hear, hear what the preacher's got to say about this. Let me pray over this. Let me listen to some radio preaching. Let me spend some time studying this. They're not doing that. And we have to do that day and night to walk in the light. Amen. As we learn and grow as Christians, God gives us more learning and growing. It's a fruitful process. As we walk in the light, we get more light. Let me explain this very simply. There's two people. One purpose is to read God's word each day and meditate on it and put it into action. Say it work by telling others about the love of Jesus through their own testimony. Very simple, right? Purpose to read God's word, meditate on it, put it into action. The second person goes to church on Sunday mornings and that's it. They won't go near the things of God otherwise. Now, who's God going to grow? Who's God going to bless with more light and knowledge? Person number one or person number two? Think about that. God is going to bless the one that is seeking him, thinking on his word, meditating on it as he commands us to do, and then putting it into action. As I mentioned earlier, walking in the light, taking that step, that step of faith and actually doing it, right? Even if you don't do it well, amen, like even if you're just 
okay, I'm nervous. I'm not really good at this. I'm not a preacher or anything, but I'm reading God's word and God's, uh, I feel like God's talking to my heart to tell Cindy or to tell Bob about, you know, what God did for me and how God helped me get rid of this addiction. Amen. Or how God helped me get this, uh, you know, peace of mind and how God gave me peace and how God did this and God did that. And you don't know what to do when you go up to Cindy or Bob and you kind of mess it up or you fumble with your words. Hey, that's okay. Amen. God sees you doing it. Does that make sense? He sees you trying. That's what God wants us to do. Not be perfect, be obedient. I hope that makes sense here today. Amen. Not be perfect, be obedient. Do what God's calling you to do. He's calling you to walk in the light. You take that step. You start walking in the light. He'll take care of the rest. Remember, we have the Holy Spirit living within us if we're saved. And the Holy Spirit will help you and guide you and and give you discernment. Amen. Now, the world tells you, don't worry about all this. Do your thing. That walking in the light is for God and not man. You can and should worry about it and purpose to do it. Don't peg your growth on the world understanding it. Because it won't understand. The world won't understand the light because it's not of the light. Okay? Uh, John 1.5, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Okay, very simply put, the world won't understand it. The world, uh, the little G God of this world, the devil, is fighting to get everyone away from the things of God, distract and pull and tempt and all any other way he can. And what the world will say is, oh, I don't understand this. Don't let that discourage you. Matter of fact, be discouraged if the world loves everything you're doing, because that's scary. But don't be discouraged that the world doesn't get this. Don't be discouraged, again, if you're not perfect at sharing a testimony or walking in the light. Don't be discouraged if you're the only one that shows up for Bible study. Hey, that's what makes you special. Amen. That's what God can do through you. Amen. That's a testimony to God. You go home and pray and say, Lord, I love you. Nobody else was at Bible study tonight, but I came and the preacher was there. Hey, amen. I love you, Lord. Can you see it, Lord? Can you see me here? You see me loving you, Lord? That's a testimony to God. Don't worry about what the world says. You know, preachers, I hate to say it, they always ask each other, how many numbers you run over here? How many people you got over there? Look, the world doesn't love it, okay? People don't like preaching about sin and things of the world if they are living in the world because you are preaching against them and their lifestyle. Walking in darkness begets more darkness. So speaking of the world, you sin more, you have no closeness with God, you have no fellowship, no time together. You then turn to sin to try to fulfill your emptiness. You fail and try again. Turning to sin is like a dog turning to its own vomit. Proverbs 26, 11, as a dog returneth to his own vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. Yet it happens over and over again, like a sick cycle. I mean, can you think, why does this happen? Why does a sick cycle happen? You know, as I've studied the Bible, especially uh, last little bit over a year as I've been pastoring a church here, you know, one thing that's really been revealed to me in God's word is that one sin in particular keeps this, these bad cycles happening of, of living in this awful behavior where we're like a dog eating our own vomit. And that's the sin of pride. Pride and stubbornness leads to the destruction of man in this world and the next. Proverbs 16, 5, everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord, though hand in hand, he shall not be unpunished. There are many proud people. And what the Bible says, it's an abomination to the Lord. Doesn't matter who that proud person is, whether it's uh, a leader of a country or whether it's the average Joe working at the corner store or whether it's anybody in between. 
It's an abomination to the Lord, and they shall not go unpunished. And it's that kind of pride that keeps you living in sin. It does not allow you to humble yourself because you will not soften your heart to the things and the ways of God. Finally here today, be set apart so you don't fall away. Never get the idea that God is okay with sin because sin is in the world. You know, don't have that herd mentality that, hey, sin's in the world. Hey, this is on network TV. Hey, this is on the radio. This is, hey, this is on TV. That it's okay. If it's sinful, it's not okay. 2 Corinthians six seventeen. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Romans 12, 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We must renew our mind. Amen. Uh, look, I'm running out of time here, but you have to be fully submitted to Christ for his will in your life and stay away from the ways of the world. That's a whole, that could be a message for a year, all the ways of the world. And all this starts by submitting yourself to the Lord. And if you are the first step in being submitted to the Lord as being saved, accepting Jesus as Savior. And if you're not saved today, I want to give you a prayer that you can be saved right now. Amen. I've purposed to do this every message I can. And, and Lord has put that on my heart. So just pray with me for a minute if you're not saved, because you need to accept Christ to get right with God so you're not going to go to hell. Number one, God, I know I'm a sinner. Number two, I know I deserve the consequences of my sin, which is hell. God, I'm trusting in you as Savior. Jesus Christ alone is Lord. I'm trusting specifically in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that paid my sin debt through Jesus' finished work on the cross. I am forgiven. I trust in Jesus as Savior alone. I thank you, God. I won't be ashamed, and I will live for him as my Lord. Please walk with me forevermore. If you prayed that prayer, and if you meant it, if you accept Jesus in your heart, you are saved. Amen. And if you are saved, it's time to be about your father's business. Let's live for the Lord every day, walk in the light and grow in the Lord. Thanks for visiting the cafe today. Our goal is to inspire you with the truth and depth of God's word in a straightforward manner. Do you know Jesus? You can today. Visit kjvcafe.com to learn more about God's great plan of salvation for all of mankind. Until next time, Remember, as Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 puts it, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness.